You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Good morning and welcome. My name is Lise Grande, and I'm the head of the United States Institute of Peace, which was established by the U.S. Congress in 1984 as a national, nonpartisan public institution dedicated to helping prevent, mitigate, and resolve violent conflict abroad. Tomorrow, across the globe, countries and nations will be celebrating International Women's Day. To mark this important day, we are delighted to be hosting a very special discussion today with extraordinary women leaders from Ukraine. We are very pleased to co-host this event with Arietta Blatter, the President and CEO of Women in International Security, and with Megan Mobs, the President of the Romulus T. Weatherman Foundation. It is a distinct honor and privilege for us to welcome Tetiana Yehovora Luchenko, a chairperson of the Kharkiv Regional Council. We are also privileged to welcome Tamila Afanasieva, the head of the Odessa Regional Council for Peace. We're delighted to welcome Olga Rudnivia, the executive director of the Superhumans Rehabilitation Center, to welcome Solomia Bobrovska, a Ukraine member of parliament and deputy head of Ukraine's delegation to NATO Parliamentary Assembly, and also to welcome Iona Vlad, a member of the Romanian Navy and a midship person at the United States Naval Academy. It's been a year since Russia launched its unprovoked, unjustified war of aggression against Ukraine. During this time, women have played decisive roles in military campaigns. They have led humanitarian efforts. They've kept public services running and have worked under nearly unimaginable conditions to improve and expand local governance capabilities. Their accomplishments are heroic, and we stand in awe of you. President and CEO Ariella Blatter and President Megan Mobs, we look forward to your remarks and the panel discussion that will be led by Mary Glantz from USIP on the changing roles and leadership of women in Ukraine. Ariella, allow me to welcome you to the podium. Uh, thank you, Lise. Uh, it's always a pleasure collaborating with the United States Institute for Peace. Good day, everyone. Uh, my name is Ariella Blatter. I'm the president and CEO of Women in International Security, also known as WISE. Uh, WISE is a global NGO that promotes gender equality and helps women advance as leaders in the international peace and security sector. WISE has just celebrated its 35 years as a membership organization, and it provides professional growth opportunities for future women leaders. It leads cutting-edge gender analysis and research projects, uh, many in collaboration with USIP, and I'd like to acknowledge uh, uh, the wonderful work of Kathleen Kunast and her peers, including the Missing Peace Initiatives, where we do such wonderful work together. Um, we also do wonderful uh, forums, such as this one, 
Um, and we nurture a community of powerful gender and security advocates, experts, leaders, and mentors. Today, our network uh, spans across 50 countries, we across six continents, and includes 15,000 members committed to closing the gender equality gap worldwide. For those of you in the room, if you are not currently connected to our network, I encourage you to seek myself out or my colleague, Karen Johnston, to find out more. But more importantly, those of you broadcasting from the region today, I encourage you to connect up with your peers, uh, wise colleagues, for exactly this purpose, a network a community in Romania, uh, in Estonia, in Poland, in Germany, in Austria, in the surrounding regions, in Ukraine itself, but also um, for those who are currently housed in outside countries. We want to be that network of community, um, and we hope that, um, as well as uh, for our community talking today, that we want you to know that there is a network of support also in talking about these issues beyond today. As you know, today's discussion will be looking at women's changing roles and leadership during the war in Ukraine. And it is timed, as Lee has pointed out, to coincide with the International Women's Day and the International Women's History Month. And of course, we are entering the second year of an expanded illegal and unprovoked war of Russia upon Ukraine. And of course, we will note, as I'm sure it will come up in the discussion, that this is a protracted time period of 14 years. So this is not just simply a single time period that we're talking about. This is an extended time period of where gender roles have been tested, leadership has been tested, and resources have been tested, which I am truly grateful that we have representatives of the US government, who have been excellent donor government in this case, and as representative of private foundations, uh, the Romulus T Foundation. I am uh, so honored to be working alongside an operational foundation whose programming and rapid response has been extremely effective. And I want to note that leadership also takes resources, so I think that's an important dimension of our discussion. Um, I'd like to <coughs> acknowledge that we will be turning shortly to our esteemed panelists to voice their firsthand experiences, talking about their specific firsthand experiences, leadership in changing gender roles and challenges, and I want to acknowledge how important that is, and I um, just want to thank you very much for doing so for all of us and our broadcast audience. And I'd like to, again, acknowledge the supporters of the event, not only the USIPs, but in particular the Russia and European Center and the Romulus T. Weatherman Foundation, who brought these extraordinary women. And I'd like to turn and introduce Megan Mobbs, the president of the Romulus T. Weatherman Foundation. Thank you very much. I first want to extend my gratitude to the Institute of Peace and to Weiss for being such exceptional partners. Your willingness to host this conversation and these women are a testament to your commitment to the promotion and participation of women in peace building and security. So thank you so much for your partnership. For our part, none of us would be here without the generosity of Bess Weatherman and Andrew Duncan. Their commitment to protecting children, human rights, and promoting democracy inspire us daily. Most importantly, thank you to the women speaking to us today, those who traveled very far, and those who are beaming in remotely from afar. Your quiet heroism and love of country is a reflection of your character and the capacity of the Ukrainian people. I've come to know them and many like them over the last year. You will not hear them brag about their accomplishments, which are too numerous to recount. You will not hear them talk about the lives they have saved or the lives they have changed, which are too numerous to measure. 
They are representative of tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of women. Women who pick up rifles in uniforms too big with body armor that does not fit them. Women who volunteer endless hours, breaking down donations, reboxing them to deliver medication, food, and hygiene products to the most vulnerable. Women who rush to the cries of help under artillery barrages. Women who spend sleepless nights organizing resistance, building camaraderie, and keeping faith. Women who have lost husbands, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. Women who have lost limbs, and women who have given their lives. These are women who understand that freedom is less than a generation away from extinction and desire a just peace. A little more than a year ago, I can remember watching in horror as Russian paratroopers were in the skies over Kiev. A former paratrooper myself and the daughter of two paratroopers, I never thought in my lifetime to see paratroopers in a sky over Europe. I grew up hearing stories of paratroopers bringing liberation to Europe. The parachute canopies a symbol of freedom and of hope. Those over Kiev were instead emblematic of the opposite, occupation, destruction, and oppression. A few weeks later, the Weatherman Foundation found itself in Tulcea, Romania, establishing a humanitarian logistics hub in partnership with two other NGOs and the Romanian government. In that capacity, we've partnered with 50 local Ukrainian NGOs to deliver aid to where it is needed most. Just days ago, we were able to deliver 52 pallets of medicine, bandages, and food to Kramatorsk and around Bakhmut. As we worked in these communities and alongside these partners, it became very apparent the dynamic role women were playing in empowering systems and building resilience in individuals, in communities, in civil society, and in government. Today is not as much about a reimagination or reconceptualization of women's roles in war. It is the necessary recognition of the criticality of these women's efforts across the full spectrum of conflict and response, and a direct acknowledgement of the unique role women play. In Ukraine, women are an all-important all force in the war, and they will be even more important in peace. It is with those watchwords that I thank you all again for your generosity in hosting us, and look forward to your conversation. Thank you very much. Those were um, outstanding introductory remarks and sort of set the frame for the conversation we're going to have with these representatives of what you've been describing as such heroic and important and vital work. And so I'm really thrilled to have you all here. Um, I'm going to repeat your bio in a little bit more detail than Lise introduced you. Um, first we have Tatyana Yahorova Lutsenko, who is the first elected woman chief of Kharkiv Regional Council. She assumed her position on August 19, 2021. Virtually, we have Solomia Bobrovska, who is a member of the Verkhovnova Rada of Ukraine. She sits on the Committee on National Defense, Security, and Intelligence. She also serves as a deputy head of the Ukrainian delegation to the NATO Parliamentary Assembly. Olga Rudnieva is the CEO of the Superhuman Center, a hospital for prosthetics, face reconstruction, and psychological support for people injured during the war in Ukraine. Rudnieva has also become a chief coordinator for Help Ukraine Center, the largest hub in Europe for delivering humanitarian aid in Ukraine. Tamila Afansieva is the deputy of Odessa Regional Council and head of the Ukrainian NGO Odessa Peace Council. 
and midship person, Ioana Vlad, is an international student from Romania, a political science major and a German minor, with roles as a company, then battalion protocol officer, and currently a squad leader. This is her last year at the Naval Academy, and she's going to take that experience back to Romania with her. I'd like to start with Tatiana. Tatiana, um, I had the chance to speak with you before this event, and I learned that not only are you the first female head of the Kharkiv Regional Council, but you've actually been in Kharkiv throughout this war, um, serving your people who elected you. As a result, you sort of have a unique insight into the role of women in local government. Can you talk about how that's changed since the invasion or the reinvasion of February 2022? Доброго дня, шановні друзі. Я хочу в першу чергу подякувати всьому народу США, всім американцям за підтримку нашої країни. Good day, everybody. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank to everyone and to the people of the United States and to the government of the United States for the tremendous support that we are receiving for Ukraine. Для нас це неймовірна підтримка, яку ми відчуваємо із економічного точки зору, із безпекової. For us, it's a very big support. For us, it's a tremendous support that we can feel economic-wise and the security-wise. I want to assure you, as a representative of the Kharkiv Oblastnoy Rady, the first woman who was chosen in our region, that this assistance is needed and it is needed much more. And I would like to reassure, as the first uh, woman elect, elected official in the Kharkiv region, as the head of the council in the Kharkiv region, uh, I, would, I would like to reassure you that th we feel this help and, need, and we need more of this help. In addition to this, and today I have traveled thousands of kilometers, thanks to the invitation of Mr. Megan Mops, and this is why I'm here, speaking here, and uh, I cross, I, and I was uh, traveling thousand uh, kilometers away to speak to you, and it was everything thanks to the foundation, to, to the support of Megan Mobs, and to the foundation. I'm here to speak to you to reassure that we need this help. Окремо хочу сказати подякувати президенту Інституту Мира за те, що надали можливість сьогодні в цій залі провести таку зустріч. Um, separately, I would like to thank to the president of the Institute of Peace having us here in this auditorium to speak to everyone. Хочу сказати, що для українського народу дуже було знаково важливо, коли президент Америки США Байден з'явився в Києві. І під гучні тривоги вони йшли з президентом Володимиром Зеленським. It was tremendous support we felt as Ukrainian people when President Biden arrived under the sirens and the, the attacks that were going on in Ukraine. He visited Kyiv and he walked alongside with President Zelensky. Це свідчить про те, що потужна країна Америка не боїться показує всьому світу, 
що так не можна робити, так не можна вчиняти, не повинні гинути діти, жінки, чоловіки. This is show to the entire world that how strong is support is and what's going on in Ukraine shouldn't happen anywhere in the world. Kids shouldn't die, civilians shouldn't die. This support is very important to us. Сьогодні Україна стоїть як буфер між Європою, Росією і всі найважчі, найважчі випробування вона приймає на себе. І завдяки допомозі країн-партнерів, і в першу чергу Америки, і американського народу, ми сьогодні вже вистояли. And we're taking all aggression from Russia on our side. And we're surviving and we're stand, standing because we have support of the, our partners. And till this day we'll, we are standing and we will stand. And this is very important to stress that together we will do that. Ми сьогодні про жінок, але я не можу не згадати той страшний, жорсткий випадок, який був вчора. І весь світ побачив, коли буквально в упор був розстріляний наш солдат за те, що він сказав «Слава Україні!». Ми тут говорити про жінок в Україні, але я не можу розуміти тут, Everybody saw the video that everybody have seen the video that broke internet yesterday about the hero, the war hero that said glory to Ukraine and he was shot for that. В цьому єдиному солдаті, повірте, була вся наша країна, всі наші захисники, які будуть говорити слава Україні, навіть помираючи. This person represent all our soldiers that will be saying glory to Ukraine. They will be saying that and they will die for those words, but they will be standing and repeating them. Glory to Ukraine. Якщо говорити про жінок, наші жінки, починаючи від першої леді Олени Зеленської і закінчуючи тими, які зараз в лавах ЗСУ. Back to the women, we will start from Olena Zelenskyi. The first lady and all the women that serve in the military now in the defense for Ukraine. Вони після 24-го числа повністю змінили свій свій уклад життя. After February 24th last year, they completely changed their roles significantly. Українська жінка це військова. На сьогодні їх понад 35 тисяч вже в нас в ЗСУ. Ukrainian women now, in our days, it's, um, she joined the military, she represents military. There are 35,000 of them now joined the military in Ukraine. And I would like to stress this is on their own wish. Not, we didn't have mobilization. It's their wish, wish to join the, the army forces. Українська жінка – це лікар, яка рятує життя. Українська жінка – це пекар, яка пече хліб для військових і для своєї родини. Українська жінка зараз є доктор, який вирішує життя. Українська жінка зараз є людина, яка вирішує хліб. 
break for her family and for everybody else, for the soldiers. Українська жінка це та, яка рятує своїх дітей, виїжджаючи і стоїть понад три доби на кордоні, отримав для того, щоб отримати прихисток дружній країні. Ukrainian woman now, it's the woman who saves her kids and drives to the borders and waits for three hours at the borders to cross this border and bring their, uh, her child to safety. Українські жінки є, які втратили своїх дітей, тому що їх вивезли незаконним жорстким способом за кордон до країни агресора. Ukrainian women now, some of them lost their children that were forced to forcefully taken away from them by the aggressor to different country. Українська жінка це представниця влади, голова громади, яка не може полишити своїх людей, тому що вони її обрали. Ukrainian woman now, it's a head of the regional, regional district. It's it's a it's a player in the politics who cannot who cannot leave their Коротко про себе, я очолюю Харківську обласну раду два роки. If short about myself, shortly about myself, I'm head of the regional district for two years. До цього я обіймала певні керівні посади, маю ступень доктора юридичних наук, але коли почалася війна, це було неважливо. Before that, I had some career, and I'm a doctor. I received a PhD in in a law, and all this doesn't matter because what I'm doing now it's important. Харківська область прикордонна, і вона була однією з ситуацій найважчою, тому що в нас було понад 30 відсотків окуповано нашої області. The Kharkiv region is the on the border is on the border, and we were hit pretty hard. And in the beginning, like back in the day, it was like 30% of territory was occupied. Нам нашими мерам, жінками, чоловікам погрожували, вивозили, шантажували. Our people were were threatened: mayor, women, men, children. Will threatened. They will taken away. They will. They will. They will put in aggression a lot. Але задача на місцях була стояти і показувати людям, що ми як керівниці говоримо зараз про жінок маємо силу духа, силу волі не полишати своїх людей. But our main goal was to show that we can stand, that we are strong, and we cannot leave, and we will be there to fight. Будівля, в якій я працювала, це будинок Рад, який знаходиться на найбільшій площі в Європі, в Харківській, в місті Харкові. Він був зруйнований, ви бачили, ракетними обстрілами. The building where my office was, it was destroyed by missile attacks, and you all seen that on the news. Але знаєте, чим я займалася в цей день? Ми мали проводити там нараду з мером, з головою військової адміністрації, з правоохоронними органами. On that day, when the missile struck the building, we were supposed to have a meeting there with the mayor, with the head of the military in the region. 
І так сталося, що ми не встигли на нараду, мабуть, така була доля у всіх нас, але на превеликий жаль, там загинуло багато людей. Лаки для нас, ми вирішили вирішити на мітингу. But unfortunately, people were in the building and they were killed. І наша основна була задача, ми не думали про те, що зруйнували будівлю. Наша була задача основна з головою військової адміністрації, де брати хліб, щоб нагодувати людей, де брати сили, щоб бізнесу говорити, щоб вони не зверталися і працювали, і допомагали, надавали допомогу нашим людям. Це було перші тижні, перші дні до того, коли почалася гуманітарна масова допомога, і ми вже зрозуміли, що нас не лишають країни-партнери. Наша головна ціль була вирішити, як вирішити проблеми, як вирішити бред на тобі для наших людей, як їх їх. Uh, in terms of that a lot of people were under attack and before the massive humanitarian aid came to the district, that was our main goal to decide how to feed people, how to keep the businesses open, to reinsure everybody we have to stand till the help will come. Yeah, that's a tremendous job that you've been doing. And Um, it's it's really remarkable work, and I want to thank you for sharing that information with us. Um, before I move on to the next question, I do want to remind people that um, at the people watching remotely, um, we're going to have time for questions at the end, so be sure and send your questions in. Um, we can take them from the audience, and we'll take them from the remote viewers as well. So um, please go ahead and send those in. Um, Salamia. As a member of the um, Verkhovna Rada, you have a different perspective on women's roles and how they've changed. Could you talk perhaps about the changing role of women in the national government, in the national leadership um, since the full-scale invasion of February last year? Yes, for sure. Um, first of all, that's my big pleasure to be, to be here, uh, even though just on the well, online. I hope we will we'll meet each other finally after so many discussions uh, online. Um, and you know, yes, with pleasure I will I will share my experience. But you know, um, as a member of um, National Defense and Security Committee, uh, I want to underline uh, um, the role of women in um, of Ukraine in. Um, uh, in the defense forces who, who actually serve in uh, not only in uh, armed forces but in national guards state bodyguard service um, security service and so on and uh, i want to pay tribute for all this more than five thousand women who are standing now on the front front line serving and today my heart breaking just before this meeting um i got the news um about my friend who who lost uh, his um, actually husband. He's, he was one of the prominent um, heroes of Ukraine. He was awarded a couple of years ago by president of Ukraine. He was 127 and she was giving, she was giving him the first aid today uh, after uh, the artillery uh, took his life. And I think this couple will be in the books of history, how they both served to the nation and how much and she she gave to him 
uh, that's why probably my my speech will be uh, very emotional um, and so many years we had discussions about the women role in army not in the government uh, but i will be back to this question um, but in the army and a couple of years ago the parliament Rada, passed the law um, where um, finally we I mean, women got the permission to be uh, a combat diver, for example, or to be at how to properly said to be a tank driver. Tank driver. But uh, and I 100% um, agree and sure that woman has to have a right to choose. But believe me, when you see this conventional war about which you just could read the books, read books, um, watch the movie. But never, never feel the weather at the end of November or the end of February or uh, March, actually, when the trenches are really wet, disgusting. It's hard physically. Uh, and I do, I'm, I'm not saying that it has to be something only for men or for women. But believe me, even in, in these moments, uh, even for me, that's hard to answer. Um, who has to be? Who has to be here? And where is the women's place in, in armed forces in these battlefields? Whether in special operation forces group, or in trenches, or in um, the hospital, or given the the medical aid. Uh, but and and believe me, I still have my really very close friend who lost um, her husband um, in um, Azovstal, in Mariupol. Now she is um, prisoner, of, prisoner uh, of war. She is still somewhere in Russian Federation and we just cannot even imagine in, what, in which conditions they are. Um, no one can observe these conditions. No one can observe and see these prisoners, prisons and our, and our guys, men and girls who, who, are, who are there. So I want to say that this this role we have to we have to look through again and again I mean, women's role uh, and again and again um, mentioning the very thin and very sensitive issue where we are talking about the given um, about the women and their um, and their role in especially in army but not in army navies even but in war, in, in conventional war. Uh, why I'm saying this, and probably that's for the first time in my life, I'm staying always on the women's rights um, and fighting for the women's rights. But believe me, when we are losing best of the young generation, it then don't have children. And we understand that would be the big mess with the, with the nation, finally, I hope, after we will win the war. Um, I, I want to see their, their, their blood in their children because they have to rebuild the state and this, this kind. But going back to your question about the women's role in government and parliament, um, I want to say that probably uh, the majority of women came on the 21st of February in the early morning, almost at 7 a.m., to vote for martial law in, uh, to the parliament. Um, yes, we faced... And let's face the truth, um, millions, and of course, members of parliament who uh, took their children or gave their children to their fathers or to their friends and uh, 
help them to cross the border because no one knew what will happen to would happen to Kiev, um, to Kiev, to Kharkiv, to Mykolaiv, to Lviv, uh, whatever, to the western part of Ukraine. And they shouldn't have to leave the part, the the, the big part of the of their families had to leave uh, the the state. But I want to say that to women um, um, who have the of, um, the public role and positions, um, they were the first ambassadors to travel abroad and to speak the truth, what they saw, what they faced, um, what they. Uh, um, the evidences that they could brought, uh, and they were the first ambassadors to say about loudly about the weapon, about the closing the sky, about um, long-range missile systems, fighter um, jets, and so on and so on. Uh, and I think March, April, that would that was the first um, airborne, you know, groups to, abroad in the public diplomacy. Um, when women who are politicians and who who had the possibility, uh, because men are, uh, um, are forbidden to, to pass the border in Ukraine, unfortunately, uh, women who have um, official positions, uh, we are as well, only according to the business trips. But uh, in in the spring, early spring, and in spring, in summer, um, my uh, my perception that women uh, played a big role pushing hardly the public diplomacy in supporting Ukraine, especially in the military aid. Everybody starts to know the, the different styles of weapon, of what we need, how to protect the sky, how to be more efficient with the, on the front line uh, with the infantry, uh, and so on and so on. That's incredible. But I wish uh, we all be busy with, with other things other than than we are facing now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's very interesting that you talk about all the important work that um, that is being done. And of course, that brings me to sort of my next question. Olga is sort of a representative of civil society here. Um, can you talk about, we've seen a lot of, we've heard a lot about the shared burden and the tragedy and the work that women are doing alongside men in this war to fight for Ukraine. Um, can you talk about what impact that might have on gender equality legislation and activism? Um, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here with all of you. Uh, sorry for being online. Well, uh, I've been a feminist and activist on gender equality rights for the last 10 years in Ukraine. And I should say that we've been progressing very good in terms of giving women rights to uh, have you know, leading position at the government. We have more women at the parliament uh, this, uh, at this time. We have more women at the boards of big corporate companies. And like I said, we are progressing quite good in terms of uh, changing legislation that allows women to go to the front lines and pick up their own role. What the war has changed, you know, and uh, there are different trajectories that Ukraine can actually take after the war and during the war. From the first hand, you know, when you look at what's going on, uh, we have a very masculine society right now because the war actually is about men. The stories we hear is about men, which is absolutely true. Our men at the front lines, defending our country, volunteering their life and their health. 
But at the same time, we have more than 35,000 women at the, at the army. About 5,000 of them are at the front lines. And I have to you know, underline the fact that our women are still don't have a uniform fit for women. They still don't have uh, you know, shoes for women. They still don't have hygiene for women. And they're still trying to fit into this very male and masculine um, society of the front line and uh, of the war that is actually, you know, designed, you know, for men. Uh, we did change the legislation. And right now we, we hear the stories about men being, you know, at the front lines. I want to hear more stories about women because women took care of their children. Women actually took kids abroad because they are kind of, you know, closing the sky because the sky is not closed in Ukraine. Women are the main bread feeders right now and the main, you know, care providers for their families while men at the front lines and women are at the front lines. Thanks to the change in the legislation, women are free to choose, to choose their roles. Women are free to decide where do they want to be. Women are volunteers, volunteering, women are bringing cars, pickups, women are buying stuff that are needed for the front lines. Women are the logistic chain of the war. You know, being working for six months at the Health Ukraine Center in Poland, we had 300, uh, we had 300 volunteers, predominantly women, who are unloading trucks on a daily basis, 24-7. They were packing stuff for the front lines, they were writing cards, and they were collecting orders from the front lines. So women are covering a huge range of logistics. Women are fighting at the front lines and women are taking care of their kids and women are the main bread givers at, at this time. Me as a feminist, my part as a feminist want to hear more stories about women and I want to hear more stories of women doing what they do during the war. And it's definitely lacking in the paradigm uh, and the media of the war. So there are different trajectories that we can actually pursue as a country. Either we have more stronger role of women, because women love the country, women are very strong doing what they do, or we have masculine society that will prevail. I do believe in the first trajectory, because women have been doing so many things, women have been so uh, successful. But for them, to get to this point, and for all of us to get to this point, we need to supply women with women's uniforms. We need to create situation in the army that will be comfortable for women, so they don't need for back for sanitary napkins. They don't need to back for basic things that they need to fight. And for that, to do that, we need to hear more stories about women doing what they do right now. So probably that that is what I wanted to say. Uh, and um, I really want to command, you know, uh, an amazing work that women do right now in Ukraine. And, it, and I do believe that their stories should be shared in the future. Yeah, that's a really good point about actually hearing about what it is that women are doing and having fora like this where you can talk about um, about the role that women are playing and the important role and what they need to play that role. Um, getting back to the activism, do you see gender activism continuing um, during the war, or is it sort of being put on hold until the threat from Russia is over? Well, it's not that active, I would definitely say, because uh, we have, a, you know, war times, 
uh, require different heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our information uh, is very, very concentrated and our all attention is very concentrated on what's going on at the war. So I would say that it's partially on hold. You know, that's a very small group of activists who are actually working to bring this topic back online. But, you know, it's too, too much of interference in media. And we are very much concentrated on what's going on in Ukraine. And, you know, like uh, the first speaker mentioned, the video that we all watched yesterday broke our hearts. Mm -hmm. The bracelet on the person uh, from Izum tortured and killed by Russian broke our hearts. The dead bodies of Bucha broke our hearts. It's so hard to communicate anything else but pain and hatred right now in Ukraine. And that Solomia mentioned that amazing person who was killed today. I know him personally. I know the, the, his wife. And it breaks my heart. So much pain, so much loss, you know, that it's so hard to communicate anything but, you know, pain and what we are going through. I know and I understand that there is no way how to tell the world what is it to live during the war, unless you live during the war. There is no way how we can actually deliver this message. But during these times, you know, everything changes. The paradigm of life has changed. And it's not too much that we can tell about the situation with women right now and about the feminism. I wish we can take more about that. And I wish I, we can share more stories about women doing great things during the wartime, about women paramedics, about women um, uh, volunteers, about women who actually quit their jobs and doing something for the sake of, uh, of victory. I do believe that's going to happen in the future, and our strong women will be back to, the, to their, you know, working forces, and they want to be, you know, and they want to be different times. But nobody knows how it's going to develop from now and how long will it take, unless we win. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a very important point, and um, it's a very important point as well to go back to your point about getting the stories out there. I was fortunate last week to meet a woman combat medic from Ukraine and she was amazingly impressive and so I think I think the future of your country is is looking very good in that regard um, to see these young people and what they've accomplished. Um, Tamila, as the deputy head of Odessa's regional council, can you outline the role that women have played in supporting Ukrainians recovering from um, Russian occupation in the liberated areas? Uh, hello everybody, glow to Ukraine. Uh, it's a great honor for me to be here because, uh, uh, first of all, I'm a woman from Ukraine, I'm a woman from Odessa, and I'm a head of Odessa Peace Council. The organization is about uh, 50 years, uh, 55 years old, and it's one of the oldest organizations in uh, our region. And uh, I'm proud that um, I can be here and uh, to show the pain of uh, Ukrainian uh, women, Ukrainian kids, Ukrainian people. And um, first of all, thank uh, a lot, Megan Mop, uh, to invite me here because when I listen to you, your um, representative, uh, I understand that you feel our pain. And a lot of you American people feel this, how for us it's um, 
hard to understand how it can be. And we live in this um, uh, situation of more than one year. And um, uh, from the first day, uh, a lot of people um, ran away because they have uh, small children, they have uh, old parents. But a lot of people, a lot of Ukrainian people, stay in Ukraine and stay still. And they want to protect uh, their land, their houses, their people, their neighbors. And for us, it's very important to be together, to unite. And um, uh, your help, uh, your, what you do for us, what uh, American people do for us every day, it's um, Great, uh, uh, thanks a lot. I, all time I, th I, I said thanks a lot because it's um, really hard to understand how to, you say how to stay in uh, your house and a lot of rackets, a lot of alarms uh, uh, during all day. Um, and uh, people in Kiev, people in uh, Kharkiv, uh, in uh, uh, Nikolaev, it's what's very hard. But uh, we don't forget that uh, tomorrow it's International Women's Day and Ukraine is a woman. You see a lot of beautiful uh, uh, women around, uh, people um, uh, draw the Ukrainian like lady. And uh, my city, Odessa, I am in the first generations uh, from Odessa and uh, I'm proud of my city, I love my city. A lot of million people came to our city and uh, I hope after victory, after our, when we can peace, uh, a lot of guests from America city, from American uh, country, from Europe uh, will be uh, our great honor guests. It's for us, it's really important. But uh, uh, Odessa is a woman too and Odessa is a lady because she is beautiful, she is uh, very hospitality, she is uh, um, like uh, to, uh, to make uh, uh, perfect uh, dishes for their guests. But uh, from the uh, 24th of February, we are strong, we are very, uh, we, are, uh, we are ready to fight. And it doesn't matter, I am a lady or I am a woman or he is a boy or he is a man. We are ready to do. And, um, it's a uh, very pity that uh, uh, generation, very young uh, boys and uh, men, they are, they are killed. And a lot of uh, women's hearts are killed too by Russian tanks, by Russian uh, um, guns. And um, it's, for me, it's very honor to see uh, here Salome Bobrovska because she was the vice governor in the Odessa region. And uh, she was one of the beautiful, <laughs> uh, because a lot of people still remember her, because she did a lot for our region. It, our region is very strong and very big, the biggest uh, region in uh, Ukraine. But we, Odessa, is Ukraine, and we stand for this. This is our, uh, uh, not dream, this is our position. And uh, women, uh, uh, when we are united, when we want to uh, show our peace, but uh, if you come with us with war, we are going to kill you. We do everything to uh, protect our land. And we do it all second in our life. So uh, I want to explain to you that Ukrainian uh, women, once again, we are very beautiful, we have hospitality. But if something, happened 
with our children, something happened with our houses, with our land, we fight to the end. This is our uh, main decision and position now. And I want to um, explain that uh, uh, a lot of uh, hours uh, we do the culture uh, in our organization. Uh, people diplom uh, dip diplomacy, we do a lot of um, uh, international project. But uh, from the 24th February, uh, when uh, a lot of my f uh, family uh, went uh, to Europe and um, uh, my sister was pregnant uh, eight uh, years, eight months, I'm sorry, and um, uh, my brother has uh, three children and uh, they all should go. And uh, we stay and um, uh, step by step uh, I have a great team. We have a lot of volunteers, we have a lot of people who help us. It doesn't matter, it's a deputy or it's a just common doctor or it's a just uh, uh, people somewhere, they call me and said, what to do, what to help, how to help you. And uh, now we, um, I'm proud that we, our great team, we work and team a lot of uh, women, I talk about the women, we work around the all south of Ukraine, so uh, we be in every city in Nikolaev region. We go every uh, week. We go to Kherson area, Kherson uh, region, and we saw different people. We saw children uh, with a mom. Uh, they stay in a um, small, small village in Kherson uh, uh, region, but uh, this beautiful lady. Uh, I mean, a small, a small girl. She said, oh, I remember you, in December, you were before the new year, you give us a present. So, can you understand, five or six years old, small uh, girl, and she remember me. For me, it was really shock, because uh, it's very great that Ukrainian women, Ukrainian lady, Ukrainian girls, they're very uh, thankful for everybody, especially for American people who are very worried about us. Uh, we have um, uh, we have great communication with the humanitarian hub in Tulce, Romania, and I uh, um, went there to get uh, a big uh, cargo, a big humanitarian cargo from Manhattan, uh, uh, United People. So Manhattan helped us. And they, they think about this uh, uh, great big uh, school, they united, and a lot of ladies from uh, America, they united their possibility, their activities, and help us. It's great, and uh, I'm really thank you to um, United States and uh, God Save America, as uh, you say. And uh, we say that Ukrainian people are, uh, pray every minute for the victory, and we know that Ukrainian Ukraine is unbreakable and we are stand together and we are united. This is very important for us and I am sure that we are together can do the peace in Ukraine. And as a head of Odessa Peace Council, I promise that in Odessa, in some years, I hope we can see Institute of Peace mm -hmm. like this beautiful building and we can uh, discuss with everybody how we can continue peace and economy and great Ukraine and be the honor of uh, in the whole world. I'm very proud that I'm Ukrainian and I live in Odessa and I do everything for the victory in our country. Thank you very much. I, I can assure you that I think we would all look forward to being able to go as the USIP or anything else to Odessa and visit and help you, um, Thank you. rebuild after the peace. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Joanna, um, you are 
sort of the representative of the new generation of female leaders as a midship person at the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, you're also Romanian, so I thought maybe it would be great if you could talk about what you're doing as a Black Sea neighbor of Ukraine, how your country is supporting or feels about what's going on in Ukraine now. Well, first of all, I want to thank you, moderator, Ms. Glantz, and all panelists. It is with great pleasure that I am sitting with uh, such a distinguished company. Um, since, 2000, uh, since 24th of February last year, Romania supported Ukraine. We stand by them. Uh, we provided them uh, help with help uh, and uh, po uh, political, diplomatic, um, humanitarian assistance, and economically. Um, so far, we, I know that Romania took uh, about 3 million Ukrainians, um, and uh, we offered shelter and aid. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I know that we helped them uh, with the transportation of more than 5 mi million uh, tons of grains uh, to go to the global market. Um, right now, my government uh, is, um, like, I'm not talking on the behalf of my government. This is my personal opinion, <laughs> yeah. to make it clear. Uh, Always I just did some uh, <laughs> research. Um, yeah, it's all on the official websites of my government. Um, yeah, we we um, we are supporting them to like join the international organizations as the European Union and NATO. Mm -hmm. um, and um, as far as the Black Sea region, and we are trying to maintain the peace and security as much as we can by. Um, by uh, strengthening the bilateral, uh, the bilateral uh, co um, connections with the uh, Republic of Moldova and uh, Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, we are helping them, providing them aid again. Um, and uh, uh, pretty much we are, um, right now we are, tra we are having um, trainings in our country with um, uh, other partners, such as uh, United States, uh, Portugal, Italy, France, um, yeah, to ensure that our, that we are ready for uh, any scenario. But uh, we are as um, the um, as uh, the conclusion from the Bucharest Nine meeting that was uh, recently in uh, Warsaw. We we have the assurance that everything uh, it's. It's secure. That's outstanding. I, Thank you. Thank you. That's outstanding, and I'm sure that it's really, it's really important, especially taking in the refugees and helping people um, survive during this war. So, thank you on behalf. You know, thank your government via you. <laughs> um, we now have time for questions. Um, so, are there any questions here in the audience or online? Okay. Hi, my name's Andrew. If you could just wait, we're running a mic down to you right now. Hi, my name's Andrew Duncan with the Weatherman Foundation. Um, I just wanted to ask a quick question. The, there was a non-nuclear proliferation agreement that was agreed upon quite some time ago. And as part of the safety of Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons, they were assured uh, safety, uh, military support in lieu of that. We've sent weapon systems and 
a lot of thoughts and prayers, but weapon systems and thoughts and prayers may not be quite enough. And it, why doesn't the Kiev uh, demand uh, NATO boots on the ground or United Nations peacekeeping boots on the ground to help offset this uh, numerical situation right now? Um, and the last thing I'd like to say is I have a little six-year-old girl that we brought from uh, Kherson to Miami a few weeks ago who just went through her 12th surgery after taking a missile with her parents into her bedroom uh, in uh, Kherson. So um, that is, that's a war crime. And at what point is enough enough? Thank you. Do one of you want to answer the question about the Kiev? Any of you want to answer the question about why Kiev isn't requesting NATO soldiers? I don't know. Maybe it's the question to Salamia. Yes, I, I, I can. I, yes. Uh, can I? May I? Yes? Yes, please. Go ahead. It was a tough question. You know, this. That's, that's really a very tough question to join this Russian-Ukrainian war. Uh, I'm more than sure that NATO is trying to uh, to do as much. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do as much as not to provoke more and more um, Russia, um, Russian forces in Russia to be. Yeah. Uh, to be active and not to be involved as a as a North Atlantic uh, treaty to this to this war, no one wants to face actually to take part in conventional war. You know, we understand um, how far actually Kremlin and Putin can go, and unfortunately, unfortunately, um, uh, this open open door policy which was provided by NATO for so many years after Bucharest summit when um, you, um, it was promised that Ukraine will uh, once be a member of NATO. And then we hear about this open door policy. Um, I think that was a very rude and big mistake by NATO trying to avoid um, Russian invasion in Ukraine and, and not to allow us to join NATO. Now, we have this large Okay. A big, great war, as we call it now. And unfortunately, NATO is playing, um, is playing, um, in some cases, um, far beyond. Uh, uh, you know, probably how many how many discussions were and uh, actions uh, taken. When Latvia put on the table that how how many hours uh, does NATO uh, need to deploy the troops, in, for example, in Vilnius, trying to uh, if if Russians will cut the Baltic states from from Poland, and uh, we had an answer, um, we had a very un, un, uh, unpleasant answer for for that question. Um, so this is very clear and very pragmatic. Uh, no one wants to be a part of a big conventional war in Europe. Uh, and unfortunately, this buffer zone, gray zone, which now um, Ukraine is, and actually so many years was, um, that's a result of uh, not taking uh, responsibility 
for the for the decision which NATO has finally uh, be clear with. And we hope in Vilnius um, this this July, when we'll have NATO summit, uh, NATO will be as clear as EU with the um, with the demands uh, to Ukraine. What we have to fulfill, finally not to be gray zone and finally to be the, under this umbrella. Nothing except um, NATO guarantees will work against Russia. And I, th I hope Europe and the US will finally understand that uh, that Russia never plays. And it's impossible to understand their logic. They have something else in their heads. I'm sure even that they are human beings um, seeing that what crimes, what they're doing here. Uh, but again, we are back to Vilnius to July. Uh, working hard on that issue, on that track, uh, finally to understand what we have to fulfill, to, again to be back to EU and NATO. The future of European security, once we have peace, and how to preserve that peace and make Europe secure for everyone in it, um, a goal that we've been trying for decades to have a Europe whole free and at peace, um, is definitely something that we're going to continue to work on and that we've already begun working at the center of Russia and Europe looking at how to make Europe a place where everybody can live peacefully and securely. That's definitely something that needs to be worked on. Do we have any other questions? Uh, okay, I have an online question from Sasha. Uh, it seems that the Ukraine's reconstruction will be primarily the infrastructure and essential services, but that Ukraine has a robust civil society and foundation of democracy and governance. Do you agree? Oh, I think we've got several people on this panel who can speak to Ukraine's robust civil society and governance. And um, so, would either or both of you like to take that question? Let's have Дуже гарне запитання. Дякую за нього. Звісно, ми говоримо зараз про те, що нам необхідна допомога. Допомога безпосередньо для того, щоб перемогти Російську Федерацію, нашого ворога. Thank you for the question. It's a very good question uh, to be asked. And obviously we need help now. We need help now to support us and to win this war. На превеликий жаль, нам, жінкам, треба говорити, що нам реально необхідна зброя для країни. Unfortunately, now, as a woman, we have to speak up that we need uh, more weapons for our country. Ми б з задоволенням проговорили, як випікати пасхальний кекс, але на сьогодні це не є першочерговою для нашої країни. With more pleasure, we would be talking how to bake some muffins or something, but this is what's uh, important to our country now, the weapons, and supplying them to supporting us. This is the most important talks in conversation to be raised now. І ми дещо, можливо, жорстко і не підбираючи слова, говоримо про те, що нам вкрай необхідна зброя, щоб перемогти ворога, який в цивілізованому світі знищує націю. It's very important to stress that we need those weapons, we need to, uh, our country to be supplied with advanced weapons to, in order to survive, to save the nation, because it's unbelievable what the, uh, the Russian is doing to Ukraine. They're trying to destroy the nation, the country to, to destroy the entire nation. 
Я, звичайно, представник обласної влади, але, може, не володію військовою термінологією, але я вважаю, що всі військові утворення в нашому світі, якщо дозволять Росії знищити Україну, вони будуть виглядати дещо нікчемними. I am representing here um, uh, my region, my district. I'm representing here and I'm speaking that uh, for myself, from everybody, that we need our support because if, if Russia will win, if they destroy Ukraine and our nation, they, they need to have consequences. Мова не йде про те, що твій сусід зайшов на твій огород, а мова йде про те, що країна жорстко напала на Україну, країна Росія. We don't we don't talk here that your neighbor went to your backyard. We talking about that Ukraine was attacked by Russia unprecedentedly and that measures have to be taken. Тому Говорячи про зброю, ми все-таки як влада плануємо відновлення і реконструкцію. Ми маємо думати про живе і про майбутнє. Speaking about weapons, we're still thinking about uh, reconstruction and uh, talking about plans for the reconstruction because we have to think about the future and how to rebuild it. В кожному регіоні фіксуються юридично, як і кримінальні злочини, в тому числі і пошкодження. Вони оцифровуються і мають вже конкретні цифри кожен регіон щодо необхідного, що необхідно їм для відновлення. Every region in Ukraine now is uh, having a record what was destroyed, what they need for their reconstruction. It's everything put in now into num uh, numbers. We get in some statistics and that will be put out there what we need and uh, how to supply it. Якщо говорити про Харківську область, у нас є зруйновані майже квартали, це Салтовка, Северна Салтовка. На сьогодні влада дискутує, проводить дискусії з приводу того, чи треба відновлювати, робити реконструкцію, чи треба з нуля будувати. So, for example, in uh, Kharkiv district, uh, North Salovka, we have entire uh, district that is damaged. So now there is a debate in a local government, what do we have to do? Do we have to destroy, uh, to rebuild it or do we have to just like to build it from zero, from the ground? Кожний регіон має такий, скажімо, такий документ, в якому зазначено кількість пошкоджень, сума необхідна, які заклади освіти, охорона здоров'я. Every, every, uh, every region now has a list of what was damaged, how much damage was done, how much will cost to rebuild it, and um, everything is, uh, be, uh, will be available to see what needs to be done. Наразі на сьогодні ми за рахунок обласних бюджетів, державних, міжнародних, міжнародної підтримки, ну, скажімо так, латаємо дірки і те, що необхідно, робимо терміново. Інфраструктура, вода, світло. With, our, uh, with local government, with our local budgets, we kind of patching uh, the holes. Um, with our finance, it's not enough. So we kind of like patching the holes and, and putting the resources, economic resources now uh, on the reconstruction, what is absolutely necessary now to keep electricity going, to keep water going. Але після перемоги, нашої спільної перемоги, ми готові для того, щоб приступати до повного відновлення наших регіонів. After the victory, we are ready to start to 
completely uh, rebuild our um, reconstruction of our districts, our regions. Ми не будемо приховувати, що нам необхідна колосальна фінансова підтримка. Колосальна. Ми самі це не витягнемо. Uh, it's not a secret and we won't be hiding that. To do that in order to, to rebuild our country and our regions, we will, have, we will need tremendous financial support. It's not a secret for, to anybody how much it will cost. But we are confident that after the victory, we will help our country. But we are sure with everyone's help, with your particular help, we will stand, we will rebuild, and we will live. Я не зрозуміла питання з приводу влади, тому хочу уточнити саме в чому питання по владі. I didn't understand uh, correctly the um, question in regards of uh, local government and power. Can you repeat it? Yes, so they asked, it seems that Ukraine's reconstruction will be primarily the infrastructure and essential services, but that Ukraine has a robust civil society and foundation of de democracy and governance. Do you agree? Um, Ага, з приводу демократії. Я хочу сказати, що за 30 років незалежності України на сьогодні, як на мене, як звичайної громадянки України, а не представниці влади, зараз не про це, самий демократичний, самий потужний і порядний президент нашої країни. І ми дякуємо, що ви підтримуєте його, і ми бачимо цю підтримку. Тому я, як представниця тепер же влади, хочу сказати, що маю дуже велику надію, і впевнена в цьому, що нам вдасться чесно, прозоро, без корупції, без е, якихось запитань відновити нашу країну разом з нашим президентом. First of all, um, here, um, my answer will be two parts. Yes, from myself as a citizen of Ukraine, I cannot be more proud to have the most democratic and the most um, stronger president running our country and the second of all as the um, as the member of uh, government uh, regional government I'm I'm reassuring and I'm 100% sure that with this with our president with everyone's support we will build civil society and um, everything will be done clear without any corruption we will fight it and our country will be rebuilt in a good way. Yes, um, I completely agree with Tatiana and uh, uh, she talked about the weapon. It's uh, very important for us. But I want to say that now people in Ukraine are very hot in econ economical position and a lot of people are, um, as you understand, a lit uh, poor and they need food and they need help and they need humanitarian food. They need medicine, uh, just the mask, just the uh, uh, simple things for the common live, but they need it. So uh, I ask 
again, thank you very much. And I say again, thank you very much to American people for the help for the humanitarian cargo every day. And I want to ask, uh, don't forget us, don't leave us, and help us with the humanitarian cargo more and more because we need it, because our people need to be uh, more brave and they should know that we don't leave them without food, without uh, stuff and etc. So our common uh, answer to question to this girl, <laughs> thank you very much, but uh, don't leave us. Our people are very waiting for you and for American humanitarian and weapon. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. And I think, um, I think our president's already said that we're with you as long as it takes. And I think all of us feel that, that um, standing with you until you have your victory is really important. And um, it's really important. In, in addition, I think everything you've said today about what you all are doing um, and what the other women that I've met from Ukraine have been doing, it just, it does give me optimism. Because um, I see not just the men who are fighting on the battlefield, but also the women and the entire society and everything that you're doing to strengthen civil society, to win the victory, and to rebuild your country and to make sure that your future is bright. It, it gives me optimism that your future is bright and that Ukraine will be stronger going forward, um, thanks to the work of people like you. So I'd like to thank you for sharing your experiences with us and for joining us today, and, um, and good luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts.